The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that was the jubilee year, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Seven things here, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Here's the NIV, I love this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of God's favor. I like that. To proclaim the year of God's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Comfort all that mourn. Provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. They will have gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That they be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I like that. So that's what we're going to do. That this would be a year of God's favor to display his splendor. Amen. You may be seated. I don't mean to be repetitious. I just do these things because I'm hoping there'll be somebody in this crowd today that has not heard this and will possibly become as excited about it as I was the first time I saw it. I was reading Psalms 89 years ago, and I came to verse 15, and in my King James Bible, it said, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. I I had the Amplified Bible with me that day as a companion text. Boy, was I surprised when I read this. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are the people who know the joyful sound. And then it says to this, who understand and appreciate the spiritual blessings symbolized by the feast. They walk, O oh Lord, and the light and favor of your countenance. And when I saw that phrase, who understand and appreciate the spiritual blessings symbolized by the feast, I didn't know what the feast were, and I sure didn't know what they symbolized. And so it started a love affair with me, with the book of Leviticus. And there are two chapters today that are very, very important. Um, One is Leviticus 23, and the other would be Leviticus 25. Leviticus 23 gives the feast of the Lord. There are seven of them. They go like this. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. And um, I've, I've spent a lot of my time ministering on the first four I'm convinced in the time that we have left, the last three are going to become much more prominent in our teaching. But if you read Leviticus 23, it says that Passover was on the 14th day of the first month. And that, of course, was when they were back in Egypt and and they killed that lamb and they put that blood on their door and the death angel passed over them. If you know your Bible 
at midnight. That's when the death angel came. So Passover was celebrated on one day. Since it was midnight, it's the next day. So then you have something known as unleavened bread. They were, no, they were instructed, don't put yeast or leaven into your dough. You don't have time to wait on it to rise. You've got to get out of here, which is exactly what they did on the next day. On the third day, they came to the Red Sea. And <clears throat> that's the celebration of first fruits. It's the greatest jailbreak in the history of the world. We have a book in the Bible called Numbers. If you read the first chapter of Numbers, it goes through the 12 tribes of Israel, and it gives us a specific figure of how many men were able to be in the military, young men over the age of 20. It's very specific, 603,550. That's how many men were over the age of 20. We have no idea how many men were under the age of 20. And, you, you know, once it was 50, you were done with being a priest and you were out of the military as well. So we don't know how many elderly men there were. We only know how many men there were between the ages of 20 and 50, six, over 600,000 of them. We have no idea how many men there were under the age of 20. We have no idea how many women there were and young women. So I'm safe in saying that we've got about 2 million people here, a city the size of Houston, Texas. So when Israel left Egypt, it's massive. There's, there's never been that many refugees. There's never been that kind of an exit out of a country. But that's exactly what happened in the book of Exodus. And this is very important because when you get in, into the New Testament, you, uh, Acts chapter 7, you have a man named Stephen who was preaching, and they stoned him for his message. He made him so mad. But, but Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and verse 38 was talking about Israel back in Exodus. And this is what he called them the church in the wilderness. So that explains many scriptures in the Bible. Corinthians says everything that happened to them was, in, was for us. Romans 15 verse 4 said the things written aforetime were written for our learning, not theirs, but our learning, that we might have patience and comfort, hope through the scripture. So everything that Israel acted out physically in the Old Testament was a lesson for us today that are in the church. And so, you go back to this thing. What are the spiritual blessings symbolized by the feast? Because just like we have 4th of July and Thanksgiving and Christmas and different holidays through the year, the Jews had seven festivals every year that they celebrated. And if you go to Leviticus 23, the first one happened on the 14th day of April. It's called Passover. The next day, the 15th, is unleavened bread. The next day is first fruits. You can, I don't have time to do it today, but I've done it before. If you go to Exodus, you can prove in Exodus, 50 days after Israel got out of Egypt, they came to Sinai, and that's where the law was given, because that's the fourth feast 
Pentecost. You had Passover on the 14th, unleavened bread on the 15th, first fruits on the 16th. 50 days after first fruits was Pentecost. I've asked people, when was the first Pentecost? Most people will tell you Acts 2. No. Pentecost was a festival that celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20. And so they've had over 1,500 Pentecost before Acts chapter 2. But it's very important because it says in Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says Jesus, our, even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And just as the death of that lamb in Exodus and the blood of that lamb was put on that house protected those people, that was fulfilled on the cross. Jesus, I don't know what he is to anybody else, but I like this. He's, he's our Passover. He's our peace. He's our protection. His blood protects us. And so Jesus fulfills the feast of Passover on the cross. He can't resurrect on the next day because he came to fulfill the scripture. And the day after Passover is unleavened bread, which is bread without any yeast. So if there's no yeast, nothing rises. Nothing can be lifted up. That's why he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. As Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, not two, three days, so shall the Son of Man be three days in the heart of the earth. And listen, listen to these verses. This, this is Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Here's verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. So, there was Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost. Jesus fulfills Passover on the cross. He fulfills unleavened bread the next day by being in the grave. And on the third day, he fulfilled first fruits. Because just as Israel was this great jailbreak, when Jesus came out of the grave, there would never been a jailbreak like that because nobody ever resurrected themselves. Jesus said, destroy this, this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. And, and, and it's, it's a powerful truth that Passover was on the cross, unleavened bread was in the grave, first fruits was the resurrection. And then you can do it in Exodus, 50 days after they left Egypt, which was on first fruits, that's when the law was given. So, Look what happens in the book of Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3, it says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. So after Jesus resurrected, he taught for 40 days, took him out as far as Bethany, blessed him, and then left. But right before he left, here's the last chapter of the book of Luke. In Luke 24 and 49, he said, I'm going to send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you get the power. Okay? Well, that's verse 49. Look at verse 52. And they worshiped him and returned with Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. That's cool because that's the last verse of the book of Luke. That's how the book of Luke ends. Before they were ever filled with the Holy Ghost, they're praising and blessing God. So, how long did they tarry? 
The answer is in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Pentecost was always 50 days after first fruits. Since Jesus was resurrected on the day the Jews celebrated first fruits, they had to wait 10 days because he was alive for 40 and then left. We have the 10. Now we got the 50 days between first fruits and Pentecost. And it's, and it, and it's just that, that those are the spiritual blessings that the feast symbolize. Passover symbolizes the cross. Unleavened bread symbolizes the grave. First fruit symbolizes the resurrection. And the giving of the law in that Pentecost is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And, and, it, and it's just, it, it was wonderful because Pentecost didn't get rid of the law. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 17. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. I, I, I came to fulfill it or to fill it full of meaning. What does that mean? I'll show you what it means. He said, the law said, don't commit adultery. But he said, I know a lot of you heathens. You're lusting all the time. And he said, the law said, don't commit adultery. He said, but I say, don't lust. And he said, if you can, if you can control the lust, you won't ever have to worry about adultery. One's an action, the other's an attitude. The law said, don't kill. But I say, don't get angry with your brother without a cause. I, I, I could stay there a long time. It, it, he's not saying, don't ever get angry. He's saying, just, just if you got a cause, okay. But here's the problem with that. The Bible said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So what's that mean? It means if you've got a gripe with your brother, go get it fixed that day. You understand that? You got, this is a big deal in church, wherever. The Bible says if, if you have ought with your brother... You go to him because it's something that you don't like about what he did. Then it says, if you offend someone, you go to them. You see a difference? One is you may have done something to someone and you're aware of it. You go to them and fix that. You may have done something with someone and you're not aware that you offended them. But if you're the offended party... Don't wait for that guy who's clueless to come to you. You go to him. So the ball's always in your court. Whether you were the one that did the offending or you were the one that were offended, go to your brother and fix it. Don't let simple things that could have been very simply fixed develop into some massive mountain of hatred and a, a root of bitterness. It says, many are defiled when you let that thing grow. Just, there's no better feeling in the world. I hate confrontation. It's just my nature. I hate it. But there's no better feeling for me personally than confronting someone that I really don't want to, but I know it has to be done, and, and, and dealing with that and walking away and going, Whew. I made such a big deal of that, and there's nothing to it. And there are times you go to people, and, and some, most of them have always received me. Very few times have I not been received. But when those times I wasn't received, at least I could walk away and say, I did what I was supposed to do. Okay? My wife and I made a bargain years ago when we got married. And one of the, one of the rules we always lived by 
was we would never go to a go go to a sleep angry at one another. We've never gone to sleep angry at one another. But there were three times in our marriage we stayed up all night long. It's called intense fellowship meeting. Okay, but we talked it through. It's a big deal. And so, so you know, he said, I'm not going to get rid of the law. I hear all these people say, oh, we got grace. We've got grace. You ever hear somebody, I've heard people pray, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Don't confuse the two. Grace is not mercy. The Bible said in the book of Titus, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching them to deny ungodliness and to live soberly and righteously in this present world. Grace is a teacher. I, I see too many people turn grace into disgrace. Now that I've got the, now, now that we're on the other side of the cross, I can live any old way I want and repent, no problem. That, you, you can't do that. Look at, look at Joseph. My father-in-law taught me this years ago. It's the greatest example I've ever heard. The, 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 the commandments are given in Exodus 20. Genesis 37 starts the story of, 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 of Joseph. Genesis 37 is the introduction of Joseph. Genesis 38 is the, from Genesis 37 to 50, every chapter is about Joseph except one. There's one chapter that doesn't fit. It's chapter 38. It's the story of Judah that, that, that had an affair with his daughter-in-law. But when you get into 39, it picks up the tempo again, and it's Joseph. Joseph is sold by his brothers into Potiphar's house. Potiphar's gone, and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph. And this is what Joseph said. I can't do this against my God. It's Genesis 39. You got Genesis 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Exodus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 20. What is that? 30, 31 chapters? Joseph, it's okay. You can commit adultery with Potiphar's old lady because there's no rule written yet. No one ever said yet, thou shalt not commit adultery. But Joseph wouldn't commit adultery with his boss's wife because he said, I can't do this against my God. Why? Grace appeared to him and gave him the strength to live above soberly in a very evil world. There's people who say, we live in a dispensation of grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Go talk to Carrie Vanderwater about this. She's got an insight into this that is absolutely amazing. Grace didn't start with the cross. And, 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 and what, what, what I want you to understand is in 2 Corinthians 3, it says the law now is written on the fleshly tablets of our heart. That's what the Holy Ghost did for us. And, and, and I, and I got to be careful with that because I'm, this isn't the message I want to preach to you today. Here's what I want you to key on. Here's John 7, 37, 38, and 39. In the last day, this is the week before he was crucified. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and, and, and cried. He said, if any man is thirsty, 
let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, no, it's not the week before he's crucified, this is September, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Watch. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus wasn't glorified yet. Since we know he wasn't glorified until after he left. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and he leaves. If I asked you the question, what's the gospel? A lot of people say, oh, it's a good news. No, no, no. I want you to use scripture to explain scripture. What is the gospel? And the answer to that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It said the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know, we know that the death on the cross is we, we, we identify with his death through our repentance. We identify with his burial by us being baptized. We identify with his resurrection by being filled with the Spirit. That's why the Bible said in, it's like Romans 6 and 4, we are buried with Christ by baptism. Colossians 2 and 12 says the very same thing. And what I'm trying to show you is the gospel message of death, burial, and resurrection, or repentance, water baptism, being filled with the Spirit, that's at the end of his ministry. So why don't we just have Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16 and Luke 24 and John? Why don't, why don't Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John just have one chapter and just tell us about death, burial, and resurrection? What is all this other stuff there for before he died? Before he was buried, before he was resurrected. And, and, and the, about one of the best examples I can give to you is, is, is the book of Exodus. Look at the book of Exodus. Look, look at, just look at the name. The name means exit, getting out. The first, most people identify the Ten Commandments with the book of Exodus. But the Ten Commandments don't show up until Exodus chapter 20. What are those first 19 chapters all about? Deliverance. Exit. Getting out. 19 chapters of deliverance. Then you've got the law from 20 to 24. But then starting in 25, all the way through chapter 40 is Moses' tabernacle. Deliverance, discipline, church life. That's the story. Our problem is we want to get everybody baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got to have a deliverance. Something has got to well up in somebody's heart and say, I'm not living that way no more. I'm not going back to the old life. I'm not going back to that old world. I'm not going back to the old me. It's frustrating as a pastor for people to say, oh, pastor, you know, I've always been that way. Not according to the Bible. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Things are becoming new. Don't take the easy way out and say, that's the way I was before I got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost now. You're a new creation. God ought to be working in us. 
And I'm all for the Holy Ghost and I'm all for water baptism. But I'm telling you, something's got to go on inside of you that says, I'm done. And if that doesn't happen, I don't care how many times you get baptized, it ain't going to take. And the good thing is, no man comes unto the Father except he draws him. So you wouldn't even want to change if God wasn't already dealing with you. And now he's dealing with you. Exploit the moment. Take advantage of God. We got 7 billion people to planet on this planet and he's taking the time to talk with you and with me. That's a big deal. That the God of the universe would talk to me and deal with me that I don't want to live this way any longer. Look at the look at the look at the story. Look look at First uh, Kings chapter three when Solomon becomes king and he's terrified because he's out of his league and he's following his amazing daddy and he said, "God, I'm but a little child. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in." I think that's important that the, the process there. We got to get out before we ever get in. Before you ever get in the church, you got to make up your mind. I'm getting out of that world. I'm getting out of that lifestyle. I am leaving that. It, it's just, the, the, the book doesn't begin with commandments or rules. It begins with deliverance. <laughs> and and, and look, here's death, burial, and resurrection. But where is it in the order of Christ's ministry? It's at the end. What, what are all the other chapters? I'll tell you what they are. It's deliverance. Come here, blind man, let me deliver you from that. Come here, deaf man, let me deliver you that. Come here, lame man, let me deliver you. That's the ministry of Jesus. Was deliverance. Because when Jesus began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, now think of it. John the Baptist baptizes him. He goes in the wilderness, 40 days fasting. At his weakest, Satan comes to him, tries to tempt him. He deals with all that. He comes out. The Bible said he returned in the power of the Spirit. So he he comes out. uh, He didn't get no more Holy Ghost. He he went into Spirit, led him in the wilderness. That's what it says. He returned in the power of the Spirit. So when he came out, what was in him was energized. So what does he do? It's in Luke 4. It's his first sermon. He goes to church. As his custom was, he went to Nazareth and went to the synagogue and they were delivered unto him the book of Isaiah. And he opened up to chapter 61, which is just what I read to you. Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. To open up, open up prison doors, get rid of the blind, get rid of the bruise, on and on and on. Seven things are mentioned there. And what's, what's, what I'm trying to show you is when Jesus began his ministry, he didn't say, you got to repent and you got to get baptized in my name and you got to be filled with my spirit. That's how he started his ministry. He started his ministry with deliverance. We need to get you blind people seeing. We need to get you deaf people hearing. We need to get you lame people walking. You got, you got ashes? Good. I got beauty. Let's trade. You got a spirit of heaviness? Fine. I got a garment of praise. Let's trade. It's a good deal. That's how he began his ministry. And I love these words because it, it, it says that, that, that it's, it, it's the year to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor for the display of his splendor. I, 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 it's, this, this is... 
This is 2020, okay? It's coming to an end just in a couple weeks. Most people are going to say, what a lousy year that was. Man, what a, the summer that wasn't, you know? Wow. What a lousy year. Most people are going to remember 2020 for the coronavirus. I'll always remember it, at least till I get Alzheimer's or die. But I'm going to tell you what, in this local church, I'm, when we built this building, something happened in this church family that doesn't happen in churches. This church grew numerically. We added people to the body. The whole, it took us two years to build this building. We did it ourselves. It, 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 but the church, churches don't grow during a building program. They, 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 they decree. People get tired of giving, the fatigue of working. They just say, I'm going to go somewhere else where they're not asking for money all the time and don't expect me to work every Saturday for the next year. But this church grew numerically and defied the odds. <laughs> Do you know that, that, that this, is, this is Christian number crunchers? This is not me, but I, I did my homework with this. That they're saying that in many parts of the country, when this thing's finally over, 40% of churches will be closed and will not be open again. Because the average American church today has less than 20% of its members in the pews. And they're averaging at least 65% less in giving than they did in March. Not here. Not here. This, <laughs> this has been a year that we have broken all of our records. We, 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 I'm telling you, for four years we said, I want to get a, I would beg and plead, and I, I'm trying to get a hundred, I did everything I could, try and get a hundred people to come to prayer meeting on Monday night. All of my efforts failed, but something happened a couple months ago, and it just went bloop, and it didn't stay there. It just kept on going, and can, now we put it to 150. Now, Consistently, there are over a hundred people in prayer. Boom. Boom. My wife started a prayer meeting every morning at 7.30. Boom, 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 boom. It just keeps on growing. Uh, Safi's mom started a thing. She's got over 5,000 women that are following her every week. 5,000. This staff comes in here every Thursday and praying. We're here on Sunday. We're praying on Monday. We got my wife on Tuesday. Sophie's mom's on Wednesday. The staff's on Thursday. It's just pray, pray, pray. And we're never going to let it go back to the way it was because we broke. The Bible doesn't say you break the yoke. It says you destroy the yoke. Something's been destroyed in this church family. And I'm here to proclaim the year of God's favor for the splendor of his glory. God has done something among us, and I'm going to keep talking about it. 
Because when, a, when there's an eclipse of the sun and you use them little glasses or whatever, what is that? That's the moon in front of the sun. And they get a thing called a corona. A corona are solar flares of gases that are shooting out of the sun. And you can't see them usually because you go blind looking at that. But every now and then we have an eclipse and then the moon gets in front of the sun. And if you look at it through the right prisms, you can see those solar, it's called the corona. The word corona means crown. So when you say coronavirus, virus, you're talking about the king of viruses. And there are too many people that are obsessed with the king of viruses. We want to be obsessed with the king of kings, not the king of viruses. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I realize now listen, I'm on live stream right now. I realize there are people with health concerns and I want you to be prudent and I want you to be cautious and I want you to wait. But while you're waiting, this is what the Bible said. They that wait upon the Lord should renew their strength. And if you're staying at home, terrified of Corona and your family's dying, get your family to church. You're more terrified of physical death, then your family dies spiritually. Just come and sit in the back pew, put a mask on, leave when we're done. I'm fine, but for goodness sakes, be in the house of God. Be exposed to worship and the word. Be exposed to his presence. He's magnified in the midst of the congregation. That's why the Bible said we'll be called, they called it oaks, trees of righteousness. Listen to me closely before I end. The Bible begins with the story of a river and two trees. Revelation 22, last chapter in the Bible, it ends with the story of a river and two trees. Go to the middle of the Bible in the book of Ezekiel and read about a river that came out of the house of God. And on either side of the river were these trees, amazing trees that had healing power in their leaves, had fruit. Every, every month produced a new kind of fruit. It doesn't make sense until you read Psalms chapter one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorner, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river. Not a mud puddle, a tree by the river. He said, his leaf shall not wither, his fruit is gonna be there. The ungodly aren't like that. I'm telling you, we're the trees. You got that? We're the trees. But these kind of trees only grow in one specific place. The Bible says there is a river, the streams whereof make God the people of God. You gotta stay where the flow is. You gotta stay where the Holy Ghost is moving. That's why Isaiah said, grow root down that you can bring branch upward. Get your roots by the river of the Holy Ghost. Stay in the flow of this thing. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we are gonna let this be a year not dedicated to Corona, but we're gonna let this be a year that we're gonna say God's favor was on this church to the splendor of his glory. Look, just, just in the last, just in the last week, okay? Just in the last week, 
I wish I would have kept Beber nose for what's happened through this year. But just in the last week, okay, we had this amazing girl named Gardenia who got, 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 got baptized a week ago at prayer meeting. But then last Monday, she came up there and she was standing right there. And Kelsey went up to her and said, are you okay, honey? And she said, I'm hot. I'm hot. She said, well, take off your coat. She said, no, 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 it's not the problem. She said, it's on the inside. It's on the inside. And Kelsey said, the Bible said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. She said, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. She said, well, you need to let that out. Let's pray right now. God will feel with the Holy Ghost. And you, many of you, I didn't see it, but Kelsey did right there in the first few moments of prayer meeting last two Mondays ago. Boom. Gardini gets the Holy Ghost. Pow. So she's got a friend by the name of Valentina. So she comes this last month, last Monday night. Kassan, Sophie's daddy, got baptized. His mother, his his mother, Kassan's wife, Farrah, she she got baptized. Valentina got baptized. It's just Gardenia got the Holy Ghost. My mother's sitting right there, okay? I'm not making this up. My mom called me Tuesday and she said, Harold, I don't know if I ought to tell you this or not. And I said, what? She said, I saw it. I said, what? She said, you know that thing in the Bible where it said, didn't we put three men in the fire? Then why are there four? She said, Harold, I never had this experience in my life. I saw John, I saw Mike, I saw Gasson, and I saw somebody else in that baptistry. I saw it, son. I saw it. Now, I could hear that from a lot of people and go, I don't know. But when it's coming from Esther Gertrude, I'm, I, I know the way this woman lives. She saw something. She saw something. The invisible manifestation of the favor of God on this place. It won't stop, okay? Jim Foote, Mike Parsons, took him to the hospital because he was in such pain. They took him straight into surgery. By the time Rhonda got there, the surgeon came out and said, Mrs. Foote, if your husband doesn't believe in God, he better start. Because if we would have waited one more day, your husband would have been a quadriplegic. I have no idea how he handled that much pain. But, but he said, you better thank God that you showed up when you did. And God did a miracle in your husband's life. That, that's just, amen. Here's Tina. Tina was here in the first service. Tina said, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page for Jim and Rhonda Foote. In four days, you gave $3,500. They never asked for it. Just gave it to them. They're bawling like kids. That's the spirit of this church. God's favor is on this place. It's a display of his splendor. <laughs> and I just say, oh, God. Oh, God. I live out in the orchards now. I was driving this week, and you know, all the orchards are heavy. And, and it was like the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, when was the last time you saw a tree eat its own apples? And I went, yeah. This fruit, that's hang- look at the ministry of Jesus. It was all for someone else. This fruit that's hanging on our lives, limbs, it's for somebody else. These healing leaves that God has put in your life, it's for somebody else. It's about deliverance, folks. It's about deliverance. If we'll focus on prayer and deliverance, baptism will happen. Holy Ghost will happen. It'll be so easy. And you go, how did that just happen? Prayer, prayer, prayer is what makes that happen. God's favors on this house. And I'm here to declare that this is the year of his splendor. I'm gonna remember 2020 not for the virus but i see it clearer than ever before he didn't abandon us 
He didn't strand us. He didn't neglect us. Do you realize that with the people that are here now, we've got all these people in Canada, people that want to come but have immune deficiencies. I get that. But the day's coming when we're going to get them all together. But here's the problem. We can't get all of you in this room now that we had back in February. We've added so, the Lord's added so many people to this church family since the beginning of March, right through this virus thing, that the church is now bigger and stronger than ever before. You can't be a good Muslim if you don't look great. You can't be a good Muslim if you don't pray five times a day. You can't be a good Muslim if you don't tithe. You can't be a good Muslim if you don't go on the Hajj. That means to go to Mecca. If you possibly can gain once in your life, you go to Mecca. And I'm, I say, shoot, you can't be a good Pentecostal if you don't pray. You can't be a good Pentecostal if you don't tithe. You can't be a good Pentecostal if you're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm not talking about taking a tour group to Jerusalem. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about the, 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 the Holy Land tour. I'm talking about the Glory Land tour. You need to be baptized in the name of the Lord. You need to be filled with His Spirit so much that you speak with new tongues. That, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And I know we, we try to minister to one another, but in our meeting yesterday, the planning session for next year, Everybody around that table said the same thing. We have such a great church here, but we got to get this church out of this building, into this community. We had a precious lady. She's, I, want, I don't have my glasses on, but she's here right now. And this is what she said three weeks ago. You people are angels. She said, I wish I would have met you years ago. She said, I've tried all kinds of churches. She said, I've never been in anything like this. She said, you ought to have thousands of people going to this church. You know why you don't? They don't know you're here. So we're going to try to remedy that and do what we can in this community to put our face and our stamp on this community and say, I'm telling you, I'll put these people up against anybody. I'll put you up against anybody. The favor of God's on this house. And right in the middle of all this craziness that's going on, he's getting glorified. Hallelujah. Come with me. Come with me around the altar. Come with me around the altar. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Blend your spirit with mine right now and let's pray. Jesus, by the authority of the word of God and the power in the name Jesus. Lord, I'm speaking to somebody right now in this crowd. Got that still small voice in them just saying to walk away from that old life. Walk away from that old world. Walk away from the old you. I'm asking you, God, right now, that the spirit of this church will accent that. We're not just here for water baptism and Holy Ghost baptism. We are here for deliverance. We've got to see deliverances happen in people's lives. They gotta break free, Lord, and break the yoke and break the chain and break the, those things that are holding and binding them. Oh, Jesus, the cords of sin. I'm asking you, God, habits that we need to stop, hobbies that we need to stop, relationships that we need to walk away from, that we make a covenant today around this order. I'm gonna declare his glory.
Let's go.